Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your free end of the week pod uh, where we look back at if we played a European game the night before. Uh, we'll review some of that and looking forward to this weekend's fixtures, everything, all things Rangers. And I'm incredibly pleased to say, uh, I'm, I'm bubbling with excitement uh, that Mr Adam Thornton is able to join me on uh, this week's show. Adam, thank you for giving up your time. I know that you have loads and loads going on doing absolutely nothing. Thank you, Cameron. I can hear that excitement and your joy that I'm giving you the, the pleasure of my company today. So I'm very, very happy to help you out. Adam, um, for anyone who is a subscriber on our Patreon network, and if you're not, why not, um, is obviously our tactic guru. Uh, and we will probably get into some of that as we are discussing last night's 1-0 win over Lech Poznan. Um, Adam, I'll, we'll go into some of the detail of the game in just a moment. But um, I, I think ahead of this, uh, if we were looking at... Uh, the Poznan-Benfica game uh, from match day one. Uh, I think, you know, it had been alluded that we felt it might be quite an open game. It might be quite expansive. Uh, Poznan and Benfica started to kind of have a proper run back and forth at each other. Uh, David Edgar of this year parish had mentioned that in the press conference to manager Stephen Gerrard. That, and I think uh, Gerrard himself alluded to being like a basketball game. It was so back and forth. Turned out not to be so much like that, I don't think. Were you expecting it to be as, as, as closed as it was at times last night? No, not at all. Everything I'd read before the game was they were going to come out, they were going to press us, they were going to be uh, aggressive and we would have lots of space in behind. Um, I'm not sure if, if Pedro Tiba being out caused them to change their approach somewhat. I haven't watched them too closely, if I'm being honest, but the team that we seen last night was... Very well disciplined. Um, I've seen a few people saying on Twitter they were kind of similar to, to us in that respect, and I would agree. Um, they did a good job of moving us around in, in the first half, but it was a bit more organised and uh, structured than I think I'd expected, given, like you said, the Benfica game, where they had 19 shots in goal, um, which is incredible. I, I don't know, Cammy, whether... Um, 
they had that game uh, against Benfica and they've thought, right, we're coming away. It's a, a difficult game. We we realistically aren't going to get anything from Benfica um, at home. We might get a draw. They never got that. So then they're thinking that we don't want to lose two games in a row. So will we just be a bit more um, disciplined here and try and uh, suffocate Rangers and maybe uh, try and sneak a win or, or get out with a draw? I don't know if that played into their thinking a little bit. And they didn't want to be bottom of the group with no points and, and Rangers and Benfica to be on six. Ultimately, that's the way that it panned out, which I guess uh, shows you that what they tried to do didn't really um, have the effect that they expected. But it was certainly interesting. I think it took everybody, including the players, Rangers players, by surprise, certainly um, certainly in the first half. Yeah, and I think something that I kind of want to touch on there and something that I mentioned in, in last week's Extra, um, it feels a lot to me... You mentioned they're obviously talking about uh, how Pozan would approach the game against Benfica. And, and I want to just kind of come back to the point that, that's been said, and not only this show, but several other ones, uh, that we're a European team now. We, we've set a standard out for ourselves. We've taken some huge scalps in our journey uh, under Stephen Gerrard over the, uh, over the campaigns in the last three years. Um, I think that we've got to kind of get to a point as well where we know that teams are going to have to probably reset or have to adjust their thinking when they come to Ibrox. Now, of course, you take in the variables, certainly the fact that it's a that's a closed-door game and it would have been different. We, we, you know, we're all missing going to Ibrox, but especially so on, on big European nights and stuff. So I think, you know, it, it, it's got to come into their thinking that they're going to come to, to Ibrox against a established European team now. And I thought when we started last night, we we were taken aback a bit, but we settled into the game pretty pretty quickly, virtually instantly. Um, we looked like we were able to kind of play back and forth, and so we accommodated that change and maybe that um, unexpected turn of them being quite defensive. I think we dealt with that quite quickly um, in the opening kind of uh, exchanges of the game. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I didn't. I thought we started well. I thought we had a, a 10, 10 minute spell. We probably looked quite good with a few. Chances in that first half, I think Roof taking the overhead kick when, when Kent was probably um, the better option was one of the better ones and Arfield had a shot on target from, from range. But certainly the first half, uh, I thought we were all right without being scintillating and without being 10 out of 10 in terms of attacking. I'm going to watch what I say when I'm giving out the, the out of 10 ratings here, but um, I thought we were brilliant um, at, at figuring out Poznan, if you like, and seeing what they were made of, given that expectation. So I thought it was quite good game management, which you don't normally think of in a, in a first half, but they didn't really threaten too much. Um, they could argue that they maybe had a little bit more in terms of the way that they attacked us down the left and maybe controlled the, the middle a little bit, but I didn't feel under threat. And I felt that when it got to halftime, um, we know... Probably for the worst, actually, last season. We'll maybe get to halftime and it's been nil-nil or it's been one each or whatever and, and we know Gerard's going to have a go at them and they'll come out the traps flying in the second half. I didn't think it merited having a goal, but I expected us to up the tempo a little bit uh, as we come into the second half. Um, and to be honest, at halftime, I'm sitting there thinking if that's the best they're going to give us tonight, I know they're capable of, of different, if that's the best they're going to give us tonight, I'm not mega worried. Um, let's just wait and see how the second half goes. Well, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that we've seen when Gerard has to have a go at them at halftime and, the, you know, the whole rock up RCs, etc. Uh, can happen. We saw it against Galatasaray, for example. And I don't think it was needed. I think I totally agree with you. I don't think it was needed last night. I think you can go into games where, you, you know, 
fair enough, you're disappointed not to be ahead, and yeah, you've kind of carved some chances. And by the way, also, can I just say, I, I understand that Kamar Roof wants to be able to continue scoring brilliant goals, but when you have your back to goal and your teammate is facing towards a goal, your teammate gets precedent in that in that situation. However, we came back out at the start of the second half. I think that we, we wanted to be able to continue on uh, managing the game, uh, managing how it was going. Now, I think at this stage as well, Adam, one of the things I was kind of conscious of is I thought that it might be quite physical. And there was a couple of very tasty challenges by this point. Um, Lean Balligan got one in particular, um, which I thought, you know, a rake down the back of the Achilles. Uh, it's, it's the Lex Poisson striker who gets the, the yellow card. I, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I know obviously we don't have VAR in the group stages, so we're going into the knockouts and then we'll get it. Potentially a red card for you at that point, or was that just a... Um, I, I'm not too sure on that one, to be honest. Um, I'm quite bad, I'm going to admit, I'm quite bad at distinguishing between what's a pretty solid yellow and what, what's a red. I, I don't know on that one. I think uh, I think for me, when I seen that happen, it was a wee bit cynical. Um, Hoggy mentioned on the post-match last night, he thought he went out to do him. I, I don't know what your thoughts on that for me, but my initial reaction when I seen it was, I thought um, a yellow was, was just about fair enough. I think sometimes what I'm kind of conscious of whenever I see tackles like that, and and even when if I've been refereeing games and I've seen tackles like that, there's a difference between trying to leave one on them, in which case you might see a physical challenge coming in. But typically when you see things like that, because it's so painful mm. um, and can cause so much damage, thankfully it didn't, but it, it can, as soon as you see a player apologising for it, then you kind of know the intent probably wasn't there and it was actually there. I don't really see if I saw that from him last night. But anyway, regardless, we were able to kind of uh, to move on with it. We didn't really feel as if there was too much of that challenge. I, d- I don't want to kind of say that Kamal Roof was overly disappointing last night. I think he'll be disappointed with his performance and certainly not because he wasn't able to score. Um, but when he was replaced, I think I think it felt like as if he'd had a, a, some good opportunities. Uh, the, the, he does a great job in terms of pulling defenders in and out of spaces, which is going to create opportunities for others. Um I think he, I think he had an okay game, but I think he'll maybe look back at it thinking that he maybe could have done a little bit more. Is that just a case of getting him back up to match sharpness? Is it just a case of being able to try and and give the guy some minutes in the legs, whether it's domestically or in obviously European games? Uh, because let's face it, the guy is capable of of scoring great goals and has scored great goals. Uh, but his footballing brain, Adam, for me, is is tip top. Yeah, I think if if. Um... This role, if, if that number nine role has evolved, as we're saying this year, and, and we've seen Morelos dropping a little bit deeper and trying to play that as more of a a false nine, if that, that is the case for this role and they want people to come deeper and get more involved and link up play and, and play people through, I think Roof probably suits that more than Morelos, who who you would want to be the one playing a little bit further up and engaging the strikers and, and getting the shots off. So in that sense, I could kind of understand it. Um, from this side, I think Roof fitness-wise, last night probably played its part. The manager mentioned after the game it was important to get 60 minutes in him. Um, I'm not sure we'll see him uh, at the weekend with with the pitch, which I'm sure we'll come on to. So I would imagine Morelos plays there. So I think that was just a little bit uh, tactical in the first instance from the manager, but just a bit of, of squad rotation, which he's been doing. He's not afraid to do, and he's been doing very, very well over the last couple of couple of weeks. And uh, again, with Morelos coming on here, you can't say that again... The, one of the things we'll say about the manager is he doesn't make subs or he's too quick. He's not quick enough to make subs, etc. But last night, you can argue he called it absolutely spot on in terms of um, the approach to the game. 
uh, and then the changes needed at a point when I think everybody needed a bit of freshen up. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, Alfredo Morelos comes on to replace Kamal Roof uh, just after the hour mark. Uh, he's on the park for a total of six minutes, Adam, before uh, Alfredo Morelos gets back to, to goal-scoring ways. Um, I mean, a point-blank bullet header, absolutely burst the net. Great to be able to see Alfredo doing that. However, the goal, uh, sorry, the, the ball in from Borna Barisic, absolutely sublime, is, is probably one of the key things that's earned them a place in the UEFA Team of the Week, uh, which was announced earlier on today. Um, but just fantastic to, first of all, see him scoring and getting up to Ali McCoy's record now of, of equaling his, um, his European goals. Um, I think a big benefit for Alfredo to come back in, I think he's had a lot of focus on him since the transfer window closed and he's obviously stayed at Ibrox. Um, overjoyed to be scoring and, you know, a goal scoring Alfredo Morelos is an angry but very, very productive Alfredo Morelos because he just absolutely loves scoring goals. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great goal. Um, Barisic on that left-hand side doesn't even really beat the man. He just gets a half yard of space and, and swings it around him. It's an incredible ball in and you see Morelos holding back a little bit to, to let the defenders get settled before because he knows where that ball's going right into the middle of the goal. Um Tremendous instinctive finish with his head, which we know we've got. We know he's got in him. Um, McCoyce was at great pains to say last night that all his goals are Champions League and Morelos have, have all been Europa League, which I liked a little bit of uh, shithousery from McCoyce. He's obviously just just kidding on, but it's a fantastic record when you think the amount of uh, the amount of games Morelos has played um, and the amount of goals that he's got. I think off the top of my head, it's about thirty-five games Morelos has played, and to get that amount of goals and in, in that spell. Um, in Europe is is incredible, and he is the man for um, he is the man for the big occasion. Um, we've not seen him at his uh, powerhouse best uh, as much as we'd like this season, but but certainly that goal, if that can kickstart him and, and get his confidence firing as well, then I think it's all good for us. I really despise this phrase, I really really do. But the goal came at the right time um, because I feel that Poznan, I think at this point, had had started to kind of. Exposed some gaps, I think, that they tried to get in behind when we were playing such a high line. Uh, Balogun and Goldson were, were respectively booked. Balogun won, I think, maybe a bit soft, if I'm perfectly honest with you, because the, the uh, Poznan player was about kind of shoulder height with them, and I think the referee felt as if an elbow was used at this point. But the gaps that they were finding, Adam, felt as if they were trying to get in behind our back line, in particular on the flanks, because they obviously are aware that, that uh, Tavernier and Barisic play so high up. Um, there was an opportunity for them to be able to try and get. They, they did create some chances. We were doing the same. I think it's fair. We we opened up some some spaces across um, the front of the eighteen yard box, and it kind of looked like we were. If we were in there, you and I would be screaming for them to shoot a little bit more frequently than they were choosing to do, and a little bit of kind of meandering on the ball for me in terms of where Rangers were trying to um, stick in those chances. But that goal, I think, came. It took the wind out their sails. I think Poznan started to tire a little bit at that point. As you mentioned before, as you kind of alluded, they're not doing well domestically. They're mid-table. I think they are about 10 points off the top. Um, so they certainly don't have the problems to seek. But that goal coming in, I think, just absolutely deflated them. And then at that point, there's also a, a focus on making sure that uh, we maintain what we've been doing at that point and just continuing to press them and take the game to them. Well, if their game plan is to, to come and um, frustrate us and, and try and get one on the break, then that goal going in either 
makes them need to completely change their game plan or, or they're going to be deflated. And like you said, the the, the build-up of the last couple of weeks with them in terms of how poorly they're doing in the league and their, their result last week probably just gets on top of them a little bit. But I think you're right, the goal does come at a great time. Every goal does. But the, the important thing about this, I think, is that this was the longest we'd went in a game without uh, getting the first goal or breaking the deadlock. This was 69 minutes. Um, so if you can imagine the fans are in the if the fans are in the stadium, they're probably getting quite nervous around about this time, and we're not far off the kitchen sink material. I didn't feel that at all at home. I didn't feel like there was any panic. The goal just came, and and we, I had the kind of calmness to to think that, that a goal would would be coming. Um, I think most people are probably more focused on on the game at the weekend rather than this one, which is a, I guess a sign of of where we're at at this stage. So I'm not sure there was as much angst about it. Um, if if it had been nil nil, for example, um, at the end, but it's great to get the win, and I think you're right. They they were starting to come into it, little bit of space down down the wings. They attacked well down the left in the first half, but then they were starting to get a bit more, um, joy, uh, in our kind of midfield to to wide flank zones that that I thought um we needed to solidify a little bit and bring some players on that could. Um, help us with that and I was happy to see Jack and Barker come on and do just that and again that's another tick in the box in terms of game management Cammy recognising that not only are you going to bring on Morelos and Aribo to, to change the game because Aribo probably will find himself unfortunate not to have scored um, when he came on as well but you then change it again essentially um, and bring on Barker and Jack to do that more defensive work and, and just kind of close up the gaps in our defence. So that was really pleasing from that point of view. I think the manager will be happy with his um, with his performance, if that's such a thing, in terms of how he managed that, that game. Um, I think it was very, very intelligent and it showed that he's learning from things that maybe didn't he didn't do as well last season in terms of changing the game or substitutions or freshening things up. Well, yeah, and that's, that's a big point. And I really did want to talk about that in terms of... The, the idea of doing a squad rotation, being able to try and see where other players would come in to, to you know, within games, within being able to try and do intra-game changes. Because you're right, Joe Aribo was unlucky last night. I think he came on. I think he did well. A couple of opportunities. Uh, but he's obviously just scored against Livingston at the weekend. So, you know, he knows that those chances will come around. Now, if you, you amplify that and move it across other players like Brandon Barker, um, I think Ryan Jack was a staple last season and if there was any benefit that we could take of him trying to go through an injury and recover, it's the fact that he's going to have to phase himself back into the team because other players have stepped up. But it's shown the manager that he can rely on that squad because whether or not everyone stepped up their game or there's a renewed focus or because we've done so well, you know, as I say, on the on the European scene and also domestically, the players are now starting to really motor there's all these different variables that can kind of come into it. We used four substitutes last night, and as you alluded to earlier on, the manager <laughs> the manager himself has said, you know, I get criticised of not using enough subs, then I get criticised of using too many, I can't win. And he's, and he's right. I, I think that now what you're starting to see, we made four of our five possible replacements last night, and there isn't a single one of, uh, one of those substitutions where I didn't think at some point, this is just needed to keep legs fresh. This isn't because that guy is having a bad game or he's been subpar or anything like that. It's we've got a big game coming up at the weekend and we need to think about how to be able to try and, and, and manage our resources. From that perspective, then, do you think that at this point in time, the maturity of the squad is starting to come into a little bit more of a focus? Because you're not seeing guys pissed off that they're getting taken off or, you know, if they're getting 
dropped or, or subbed for uh, from a start from the next game. It's they realise now that they will be playing vital parts in games both, as I say, in, in Europe on a Thursday and at home on a, on a weekend. It, it feels a bit more like as if the squad understand that now that we have to to spare them ninety minutes every single game is just simply not going to work. No, definitely. I think I think the only one that could probably count himself a little unfortunate at this stage is, is Cedric Itton in terms of the minutes that he's getting. But um, at the same time, he is someone who potentially will um, offer a different option. And I don't mean high balls into him. I, I mean, he's, he's not quite the, the same type of player as, as Morelos and, and Roof or even Defoe can be um, in that sense. So I think possibly playing him might necessitate a, a slight style tweak so maybe the manager's not too keen on that while things are going the way they are so I think he can count himself unfortunate but as far as everybody else goes there's been some some great rotation Balogun and Hellander again the manager mentioned in his press conference today both of them need to be managed a little bit Balogun in terms of the injuries that he's had in his career and maybe just Hellander in terms of coming back from from his injury last year I think he is managing them very very well you don't really notice when one plays and one doesn't um, which is, is ideal uh, obviously, Bassi's getting a bit of minutes uh, in there, which is which is good too. And the midfield three has had a big change this year in terms of our field going into it. It's a lot more attacking, a lot more dynamic. Um, we've not got uh, two guys sitting back all the time, uh, not contributing, um, despite us moving from maybe a, a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 and then back again and chopping and changing. That midfield three is, is looking good regardless of who's plays, which is, is, is the good thing. Um, so everybody's looking looking sharp. Um, Aribo's back as well. We've now got Hadji. I think they're all going to really be happy. But again, Cammy, something I mentioned after the Celtic game, um, this is just another little tick in the box in terms of progression because this is a European home game that we went into expecting to win. And I think a large, maybe not a large, but certainly a sizable amount of people would probably just have wanted to get that game over and focus on the game on Sunday. Um, obviously, um, each game you need to take one game at a time. But I think anybody I speak to is is concerned about not concerned about rugby park. That's the wrong thing. But that's the big one. Um, acid test is the phrase that's being used. So in a way, this game could almost have been a distraction as far as the fans go. But um, the players were turned up, Rangers were expected to win, it was a professional performance, I don't think we were terrific, we weren't outstanding in every kind of facet of our play, um, it was well disciplined, um, but again that is just a little box being ticked that, that we can go into games like that and be the favourite and not panic and not have to throw the kitchen sink at it and just have the belief that we're eventually going to score a goal um, and we've also got that belief now that we're very unlikely to even let a shot on target, never mind uh, concede a shot, I concede a goal, which just breeds confidence throughout the full team. Now, it's interesting you mentioned that in terms of where that belief is and where that, that confidence is going to come from. Because I'll be honest with you, Adam, I've been a little bit unsurprisingly pissed off at the reaction uh, towards the, the game last night, the, the result, um, and the performance as well. And I think... Um, what I've read in various kind of media outlets, as much as I love to do so, but sometimes I do it just for the catharsis, um, that Rangers didn't play well, that, you know, Ibrox was a complete whimper. I don't know how you're supposed to generate fan noise when there's no fans in the stadium, but let's go back and, you know, ask certain members of the journalistic press how to do that when, you know, they're still on dating profile websites. Anyway, um, but you're also then looking at... Uh, this idea that we are playing well, we are continuing to do that. So does that mean then that every game has to be a 4 or a 5 nil win? Of course it doesn't. I was really pleased with last night's performance. I think that 
you know, I'm I'm saying this word more and more often, but it's routine. It's coming yeah. into. I think we expected to win against Poznan. I don't think, if I'm being honest, any of us are you know busting with overconfidence that we'll turn and say, yeah, we'll absolutely hammer them. Blah blah blah. What have you? I think what you said earlier on is perfectly true. That we f- we were looking at the Poznan game, but with a a slight focus on what was happening at Rugby Park and on on Sunday coming. Um, we don't have to blow opposition away. We don't have to do this, but. At the same time as well, you can produce games like last night. You can produce performances and results that absolutely merit what you're doing within a European stage. And you know what? You don't have to blow everybody out of the water. I think being able to produce what we did last night was through hard work, endeavour, not panicking. You mentioned earlier on that we didn't have to change anything in terms of our game management. 100% correct because our approach was steadfast. I think we really just have to make sure that we as fans make sure that we don't buy into this hysteria and all this hype of, oh, well, Rangers didn't play that well, therefore it's been a poor result. No, no it isn't. It's it's perfectly fine. Um, and again, I was a bit aggrieved when I read that because I think that the management team, I think that the players absolutely deserve more credit. And my hope is it's not just fan media like ourselves who are, who are touting that this team deserves more recognition as far as I'm concerned from mainstream media. No, absolutely. Uh, I think you've seen that with, with some of that coverage yesterday, which barely a whimper of, of us uh, getting a win, but that's uh, that's to be expected now, I guess. My big thing, and I don't know whether this is, is something that's shared by the supporters, is for the first two seasons under Gerard, Rangers have had to play at full tilt and play well to get anything out of any game, really. But but certainly the big games, and that's when the mentality question gets gets thrown at you. Can, can you do it? Um, against Hamlin at home or, or Kilmarnock away when, when teams are sitting in and, and they're not going to let you play or, or do you more come come alive on the bigger stage when you're going to be in, need to be a little bit more disciplined and hit on the counter-attack and you're going to have less of the ball. That's summed Rangers up for the last two seasons. Um, so I think most fans are, are possibly still in that mindset that we have to play well or we're not going to win. Um, we've seen certainly in the last couple of weeks, Ross County, Livingston and... and uh, maybe last night, where we've been a lot more disciplined and just trusted the process and, and waited for the goals to, to come. I know Livingston w- was earlier, but um, we've just went about it in what I would say is a lot more controlled fashion. Um, we're not as frenetic as we were. We're not as as dynamic in terms of getting the ball forward, getting it wide and whipping the crosses in. Um, we're probably playing at a little bit less of a tempo than, than we're used to, but what we are doing is creating high quality chances in the, the opposition's penalty box uh, and, and quite a lot of them. So in a way, um, we are maturing as a team. I think in that sense, we don't have to go full tilt and be the best Ranger, best version of the Rangers team ever, every single game, because that in itself is not possible. You can't consistently do that every single game. We're now finding ways to win in a more controlled and mature way, similar to last night. A moment of magic um, wins the game, and that's enough for us. Nobody's saying we were poor. Nobody's saying that we were under the cosh because it was nothing like that. Left Poznan had no shots in target. We just won the game in a professional, disciplined way, and that for me is is quite comforting and quite reassuring. Well, the BBC are saying that we were poor. Um, I mean, I, I, hopefully people won't be knocked sideways when they hear that. But yeah, this is why even reading again, like you say, certain outlets, the. I think they expect more of us, which I don't quite understand and I don't quite get where they get the right to be able to try and say that. But you heard the manager coming out saying last night that it was a hard work victory. I, I agree with that. I think that we did have to work hard to be able to try and get that. And I think that there wasn't a single player last night I thought put in a blow 
average performance. I think everyone did very well. I think that they had specific tasks that they had to do, which they executed. And not a problem. I just, as I say, maybe it's just me and I just feel as if it, it just seems very easy to take pot shots at us, which, you know, certain people with their own agendas will continue to do. Let's say, let's move on to, to Rugby Park on Sunday lunchtime, Adam. Um, Kilmarnock are, are very much a kind of bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a bogey team, I hate that phrase as well, but we've had it, we've we've had tough times to be able to find down there. We've um, struggled at times to be able to try and get results. I think this is one as we look at our series of fixtures, that we kind of thought mm, that's going to be one that will stand out for us. Um, Kilmarnock themselves are, are very much yin and yang. They've not drawn a game since August. Uh, it's either win or lose uh, in, in pr- practically every domestic game that they're having at the moment. Um, do we need to be able to try and provide this with a specialist focus or do we then need to say we're on a... Uh, a good crest at the moment just now. We've got some great results under our belt. We've we've got some fantastic stats that back that up in terms of clean sheets, shots and target, etc, etc. We've got goals throughout the team. This should feel and look different and we're capable of getting a result without um, having to, to absolutely bend over backwards. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're comparing this game to any games that we've played uh, so far this season, I don't really like looking too far back and saying... Pointless stats like Rangers have only won once against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park when it's been in October for 35 years. I don't feel like that's really um, relevant to anything. We don't have the best of records there uh, in the last couple of years. However, looking through the Kilmarnock team, there's only three or four players there. Probably since that run started, they've had a change of manager. God knows how many changes the team has went through since then. So you're kind of comparing apples and pears in, in that respect and it all just really boils down to the occasion and the venue and the pitch which are all um, are all fair but any Rangers team should, shouldn't really take any of that into account so if you're comparing it to a game this season I think the obvious one is Livingston away um, in terms of the, the type of the type of team you're going to come up against the type of approach um, I, I, and I think we need to learn from that uh, Hibs away is the, the freak result of the season for me so far um, so I, I don't really feel like we can take anything from that that we're going to learn for for this game so the big thing for me is learning from the uh, the mistakes if you want to call them that against Livingston uh, learning from, from what we didn't do in, in that game and turning it around into this game but uh, the concern at, at Kilmarnock has always been um, losing goals really which is strange considering what, what, what type of uh, team they are but they've beaten us 2-1 on, on more occasions than I'd, I'd really like to remember I just don't see that happening Cammy. I mean we, we speak about it uh, I don't think people are really still it's not really sinking into them this how impressive this defensive record is I, I mean three goals conceded in 12 games two of them in that Hibs game um, so 11 games in the league and we've conceded one goal um, it is incredible there's no reason why it shouldn't continue um, even if you go to shots on target, we make a joke about it. Celtic have conceded 10 goals in the league this season. Um, and if you exclude that Hibs game, like I said, Rangers have conceded nine shots on target in the league this season. So more goals conceded by Celtic than Rangers have had shots on target outside of that Hibs game. As I said, the Hibs game was a freak. Two goals conceded and we conceded five shots on target, but only nine shots on target in the other 11 games. So against everybody else in the, the league, um, if you want to see that. It's ridiculous. I see no reason why it, it can't continue. Um, I think we think it will be Rangers beating themselves at Rugby Park if it doesn't go to plan, and I, I expect that. I, I don't think we'll have a problem with them defensively. The big thing will be 
um, going up against that that midfield. Um, we know exactly what that midfield does. Um, we possibly haven't had that aggressive challenge in the middle of the park that we're going to get in there. So being able to to handle that in there, uh, I fully expect uh, Jack to come in. Um, I, I probably expect... Um, actually, I'm not sure on Kamara or Davis. I think it'll be Jack and Arfield, but whether it's Kamara or Davis, I'm not 100%. Again, we've got Benfica next week as well. I don't know who's better suited to that. If we think both of them can play, I'm not sure, but I definitely expect Jack to come in. So I would imagine one of those two drops out. Um, and then I guess the only other question mark really for me is, is whether Hadji plays. He did not have um, the best of games last night. Um, which was ideally timed, given my, my pod all about how good Hadji's been dropped on the, the network two or three days before. But he didn't have the, the best of games last night. Um, I don't know whether it's a, it's a game for him, whether we might see the, the Barker wildcard come in, whether we might see Morelos and Roof, with Roof being a wee bit wider, or we might see Morelos and Itten, or we might see Jones. I, I don't know. Um, there's probably two, I would say, um, areas in the team that are up for debate, and that would be who drops out between... Davis and Kamara, and who plays that that kind of wider right role. But as far as Kamara goes, we don't have anything to fear. It, it's it's scar tissue is the most overused phrase on this network, and that's what it is. When you look at it logically, um, the only team that can beat Rangers on Sunday is, is Rangers because of this outstanding defensive record, and we're absolutely flying going forward as well. I see no reason why Kamara at Rugby Park should be treated any differently to any other game. Well, if we go if we go back to front, let's work through that slightly. I think we'd be comfortable with. Philip Hollander coming back in yep. um, <clears throat> to replace Lean Balligan. I think Connor Goldson is probably having, for me, the best the best run of performances of his career um, in terms of where he's at. He's massively stepped up in terms of what's happened, but that is, uh, you know, beautifully uh, entwined with who he plays alongside. Uh, I think he completely trusts Balligan, and I think he completely trusts Hollander. And I think they, in turn, help make him a better defender because we don't get susceptible brain fart moments. So I think that we'd be pretty comfortable that um, that Hollander comes back in. Um, I don't know if you've if you've missed them or you just weren't considering them, but uh, we didn't talk about Joe Aribo there um, when we were talking about the potential lineups. However, I, I couldn't agree more with the, the what you've said regarding the physical aspect of it. Personally speaking, I would not bring. Aribo as a start into this game yet. I think he can come in as a sub, but I wouldn't start him. Uh, I think you have to go probably Davis sitting a little bit further back with um, Jack and Arfield because you know that Arfield, listen, Scott Arfield is a guy you want in the trenches with you. Right? He, he will absolutely fight and dig if he has to. That is criminally um, removing credit from how well he has performed since that run of, um, uh, running games that he's been having because he's been exceptional, really, really hats. But he will absolutely stand up to that challenge as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then, as you say, potentially, I don't know if he if he will go with that Ruth and, and Morelos scenario. I don't think he likes the idea of Kamar Ruth playing on that surface. Um, I think that maybe he just, maybe he will stick with Hadji, although again, I think Hadji's kind of fluctuating a little bit in terms of, of, of what he's producing at the moment and it's not his fault. I think he's just not having a great a great run of the moment. It wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if you see a forward three of, of Barker, Morelos and, and, and Kent. I think um, Alfie in today's press conference was mentioned that he took a bit of a kick uh, in last night's game. But, you know, you don't keep Alfredo. When he scored the goal and he wants to get more, you don't keep him out of the team. He doesn't want to be kept out of the team. Um, Jordan Jones, I think, though, 
Adam, I think, is an interesting one. I think that this could be a good opportunity for him to come back in on a surface that he obviously knows against a team that he's probably got an incentive to be able to try and, and, and just raise his game a little bit more against it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if we see him play some part on Sunday. Yeah, um, Aribo, I think maybe fitness um, might be the only thing that would that would stop him possibly starting the game, but it could be it could be an option. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. We, Jones and Barker don't feel like the best of fits given um, how Kamalaka are going to play. Um, but I think just with one thing or another, and, and Hadji haven't played quite a bit, and maybe that performance uh, last night wasn't one of his best, so he might not get the nod this weekend. Aribo's fitness roof on the pitch. You mentioned Itten. I don't imagine he would throw him in, certainly with Morelos in, in this type of game. That feels like too big of a gamble. So the options are quickly coming to, to Jones and Barker. I think you, you, you could be right, uh, certainly in terms of that. And I would imagine the manager will probably favour um, would probably favour Barker over Jones in terms of solidity. I guess it depends what their analysis is telling them about how, how Kilmarnock play. Barker is probably better off the ball than on the ball and that's tended to be why we've seen them in the, in the bigger uh, away games like Porto and, and Celtic and Leverkusen whereas Jones they, they tend to maybe want to save Jones for games where they think they can get in behind teams such as, as Motherwell and, and Mitchelland um, it's an interesting one I think I think you're probably right I think they'll want to keep Davis in to try and get a bit of control in, in the midfield despite I thought Kamara was absolutely outstanding last night so it would be very very harsh for him but 100% he'll come back into the team for for the Benfica game. So I think that's probably what it will be. Jack Davis and Arfield in the middle. And then for me, it's just that that space behind Morelos. And I think um, the manager might might go for... Uh, it'll either be Barker or, or Hadji, I think. I don't imagine it would be anything else. I need to borrow your, your sensibility here because I'm, I'm very conflicted about what I want to see happen on Sunday. I don't know whether or not I want to see his win and maybe we get a 1-0 and we keep it conservative... And then, you know, we get out there with three points, which is the absolute must. But we don't need to go hell for leather. We don't need to go out there all guns blazing, you know, let's get one, let's get, you know, loads more. Because we do have that game away to Benfica on Thursday and that, you know, we'll, we'll, that, that will take care of itself. Or the flip scenario is we do go hell for leather because there is definitely value to us being able to kind of exercise that rugby part demon um, of, you know, we do have that scar tissue. We know that Kilmarnock Razor game, that's their own hangover from Steve Clark, no pun intended, in terms of, of you know, he always wanted to be able to produce results against us. Um, it's in, it's still in there. It's, you can still feel that it's there. You know that they will be able to try and do that. So I don't know whether or not we want to be able to really put the boat out there in terms of um, getting a great result against them, absolutely dominate them, two, three, four, five goals, whatever, and then we kind of just let Benfica, I mean, we, we, we expel ourselves on, on, on Sunday and then we kind of just take Benfica as it is because it's away from home. Maybe we try and get three points in the return leg at Ibrox or whatever, but maybe we just give it a bit of a bye on Thursday. Or do we balance the two? What, what's what's Right now, if I could give you the dream scenario, aside from battering both of them about five now, but the realistic scenario, which one would you prefer to go for? Uh, if, if, if you're saying I'm only allowed to win one game, I'll choose the game at the weekend um, every single day of the week, to, to be honest. Um, the Benfica game for me takes care of itself. The, the performance that we've... It's a free hit anyway, uh, Rangers going away to Benfica. Um, but, but given that we're now on six points and we can't actually be overtaken 
uh, in second place until game week five, then I, I think we've done incredibly well to get ourselves in this position. So that game takes on slightly less significance from from that point of view. Um, but for become... Kelly, but for Kelly, what I mean is, are you wanting to just go down there and take care of business, or do you want to go down there and 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 properly put them to the sword? Is kind of what I'm I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I think by any means necessary. Really, I'll take a I'll take a scrappy one 0 uh, similarly, if it's if it's five 0 I'll be absolutely over the moon. I think we are in this period of games at the minute where um, it's possibly taking its toll. We're not seeing it in terms of results. We're certainly not seeing it in terms of goals conceded or our defensive display. But this is a pretty hard run of games um, at the minute when we've had Celtic, Standard Liège, Livingston, fair enough, um, last night, and then and then this one and then straight into Benfica. So that's a that's a tough run of games. Um, I think there's got to be an actual acceptance that we are going to take our foot off the gas a little bit in, in some games and not go hell for leather. I, I can't see it. Uh, I can't see it being a route on Sunday. Um, that would be fantastic. I think it's going to be a, a relatively disciplined uh, performance uh, and I think probably not too dissimilar to, to Livingston. If we get the two early goals again there, we'll be absolutely laughing and I think that will be us just a case of shut up shop and, and focus on the games to come after that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, listen, and the reason why I say that, right, is because I think as well, Adam, there's a there's a point here where come Sunday afternoon, we've got the opportunity to be able to go nine points clear. And I'm going to say this with all of the kind of context in the world. You know, we, we can talk about getting to that figure, but until we turn up and the game starts at Rugby Park, you can take nothing for granted. And I don't think any of us are, right? I'm being totally honest. I, don't, I, I think we all acknowledge that it's going to be a tough game. We should on paper, be able to go there and win, win comfortably, given, you know, the running games that you just mentioned there, given the, the, the competence of the team, the, the confidence which will now be running through them. Um, but the big thing for me, I think, Adam, has been able to have that points difference. I think psychologically, it's now starting to imprint itself on our players that they can be top of the table with a cushion and deserve to be there and put it back to anyone underneath this that it's their job to win their games in hand, to, to challenge us appropriately, whatever you want to call it. But it's going to give the players that right, that they're top of the table because they deserve it. There's a significant gap. And as a result of that, now that is becoming the new normal. And I think that that for me is really what I'm aiming for here because we've done it before in 2018. We've done it before in 2019 where we have went and we've got to top of the table status and we've shot the bed. And domestically, I think what we want to be able to do is become so accustomed to being in a number one slot that it feels abnormal being anywhere else. And this group of players has not had that. And when it has had it, it's 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 capitulated. This is another example. This game takes on um, such a big significance because of everything that we've spoken about. But you've absolutely nailed it there as well. It's because of the fact that, that our nearest rivals aren't playing this weekend. Um, we already put our foot on, on the gas last week um, in the sense that they dropped points and we went out and won. We didn't do that last season. We had a great result at times last season then we couldn't capitalise and go on a, a run of games or even win the next game. And In many cases, we did that last week. Um, if we can do that again this week when they're not playing, uh, then that sends out a message that we're not going to take our foot off the grass. You can't rely on us to, to slip up. We're not showing any signs of it. You need to go out and, and win your games in hand. And even if you do, you're still only going to be three points behind and you need to come to Ibrox twice. Um, that needs to be the message. We've got ourselves in a, in a very, very good position here. We can't 
um, falter with that. And the game on Sunday is important, but the significance of that as well, and going that nine points clear, whether it's two games in hand or not, is kind of irrelevant. We need to show that we can put our foot down and try and create and, and take advantage of, of that when we can. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, listen, just before we go, um, I always like to, to put my guests on the spot when we get onto extra. Why don't you give me a score prediction and if you feel that Rangers are going to win, who's going to score the goals? So I think I have to say 2-0, don't I? Because every every game, barring last night, has been 2-0 for, for the entire month. Um, so I, I'm going to go 2-0. Uh, and I'm going to say in terms of goals, I think we'll see Kent get back on on the goal scoring um, the goal scoring trail this weekend, and Morelos I think will get another one. Not for Tav, not fancying your boy. If we get a pen, you'll stick it away. He's, he's, well, that would be lovely if if it, the if the king of Ibrox Park gets a penalty, then at least we're on a good. We're, we know we're going to win. But no, I, I think for this one, I think it will be um, Morelos and Kent. Okay, well, yeah, I'll um, I'll happily agree with you if we can get a two 0 win. Yeah, absolutely. It felt weird last night when we scored the goal. I just thought a second goal would come naturally because we're so used to it. Um, and, you know, as you say, we've seen it so much in terms of the most recent games that as soon as we get the first, the second one almost seems like a bit of an inevitability. So, yeah, if Rangers could could fix that and get me back into that uh, mindset, I'd love it. Um, I will say... I'll go 2-0 as well. I'll stick with Morelos because I think now that he scored the goal, he's back into the swing of things. I think that, you know, he's he's absolutely um, champing at the bit to be able to try and, and get back in the park. As soon as he scores that goal, you know that he just wants the next game to come around as quick as he can. Um, and I'll give, I'll, I'll say Scott Arfield. There you go. There's my other goal scorer. If he starts and he maybe gets a goal in, then fair enough. Um, if we fancy shooting from outside the box at any point, Guys, that would be probably beneficial to us as well, but um, we'll take the goals any way we can get them. Um, the last thing uh, for me to do uh, before uh, I, I finish up is to thank uh, our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles. Um, Adam, thank you very much for coming on. Um, you uh, are the wonderful tactics guru and host of our tactics talk show um, on our um, Patreon network as well. For anyone who's listening who hasn't joined, over five thousand Rangers fans on our patreon.com forward slash heart and hand uh, podcast network please come and listen to it um, you've got whole range of stuff that can uh, discuss all things Rangers as well as pre and post matches um, we can also talk to you a lot around Adam's area of expertise which is tactics uh, Adam getting some great numbers and with the pods getting some great feedback uh, really really interesting to see as to how we've changed as a team and how we're approaching our style of play this season yeah, no, 5,000 subscribers is a fantastic uh, achievement. I don't think anybody thought that that would be, be something that we would do, so I think everybody's absolutely delighted about it, uh, especially all the hard work that everybody puts in. Um, and yeah, as the, the tactics show has taken on a wee bit of a, a different form this year, we've moved away from just reviewing the games and analysing chances and how we won the game to maybe looking at it in a bit more detail in terms of how... Teams set up three-man midfields, how they set up three at the back, whether Rangers could do that. We've had some some deeper profiles on, on players like Hadji and players like Kent. We've looked at how, how Rangers press teams, how they attacked in the flanks, uh, all that sort of stuff. So it's taken on a life of its own. Um, and it's interesting to see, like we said, if the team continue with this evolution into less of a frenetic, high-pressing uh, team and into more of a controlled team that can go in and dominate um, games both at home and abroad. It's interesting to see. There'll be plenty more discussion points for us on the show. But yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. 
Thank you. So, yeah, as you say, please jump over and check us out on patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Uh, listen, thank you much uh, for listening, everyone. Have a brilliant weekend. Let's get three points at Rugby Park on Sunday. David, we'll be back with you uh, with the flagship show as well. Um, so stay safe, look after yourselves, and we'll speak to you again next week. Thanks all. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.